0: Do please turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 5, and I just read verse 24. Genesis 5, verse 24, our subject very simply and appropriately this morning is walking with God, walking with God. Genesis 5, verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. We're thinking about foundations, vital teaching in the book of Genesis. It's our conviction that every important teaching of God's word is found in these first 11 chapters of Genesis. and There we find foundations that we can build brick by brick and we can make a very firm foundation. And here we see one this morning that I hope will be very devotional. There's a challenge here. Do you walk with God? That's a vital question. Are you walking with God this morning? Maybe you don't know what that means. You have a form of faith Yes, maybe you believe in God and the Bible, but you're not really walking with God. This speaks of a relationship with somebody that you know, somebody that you are speaking to and dwelling with and seeking to please every waking hour of every day. Enoch walked with God. Are you walking with God this morning? Only you really know that. Many go to church, to chapel. Many have a Bible at home. Many tick the box Christian. But you're not walking with God. By any objective tests, and we shall think of some this morning, You don't really have a relationship, a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not really a man, a woman, a boy, a girl of faith that walks with God. If I was to say, what's the dominant theme in your life up until now? Could we say of you, dot, dot, dot walked with God. If God was to take you today and your life was to end and I was to take your funeral service, and I hope that doesn't happen this week, would I say, Enoch walked with God? Would that be true of your life? Would that be the phrase that I use about you And would it be genuine? Would I have evidence? If I spoke to your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your grandfather, would I know that you had walked with God? Well, we have to look at chapter 5. It seems one of those long lists of names. It seems superficially just to be a historical record. We have the ages of the ten patriarchs, as we call them, from Adam to Noah. They lived a long time, we notice that. But did you notice as well death, death, death. Up until now, we only have recorded two deaths. The death of Abel, murdered, by his possibly twin brother, and then Lamech, who said he had slain a man. Genesis 4, verse 23. Another murder. But we get to chapter 5, and that's the only two deaths that have been mentioned. That doesn't mean that there wasn't death, but I think it's very likely because we know Adam lived a long time, and we know Cain lived a long time, and Seth, do you know when we get to the time when Enoch is living, there may well have been a hundred thousand people alive. If you're good at spreadsheets and you make some assumptions about how many sons and daughters and the fact that only two deaths have been recorded right the way through, you get a very large population. Death and lots of people. That seems to be the evidence of Genesis chapter 5. So don't think of a few little people living somewhere in and around Iran, Iraq, Palestine, spreading out. There's actually quite a large population. Enoch built a city, okay, maybe only a fort and a wall, but there was lots of people, and death was not that common up until chapter 5. Well, here we read of Enoch. There was more than one Enoch. We thought of the first Enoch, The word Enoch again means dedicated. The first Enoch was dedicated to himself. He built a city for himself. Rather, his father did. His life was about me, me, me. But the second Enoch, the seventh after Adam, as we call him, Enoch walked with God. He was dedicated to the very opposite. You either live for yourself or you live for your God, the one that made you. And Enoch, the seventh from Adam, is described as not living for himself but living for God. And in chapter 5, we see this growing alienation. Generation after generation, they start to have large families. And there is these two ways. The way of Cain, which is broad. It's about self, it's about music, art, idolatry. And the way of Seth, which is about living for God. And not living for self. If you stand back, you see then this growing alienation, the domination of a record of death, and then you see Seth's line, and it's from Seth comes Enoch. Well, we have three different passages in God's word which tell us about Enoch. We've read the first, I'd like you to turn to the second. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We have two verses. There are only eight verses that speak of Enoch. We've read the verses in Genesis 5, but here in Hebrews, we read in chapter 11 and verse 5. This is what it says. By faith. The characteristic of Abel's life, Seth's life, and now Enoch's life, is faith. By faith, Enoch was translated, taken and transferred from this life into eternity. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. If anybody ever says anything of my life, when I die, would I not want that to be said of me? He pleased God. What words to put on a gravestone? He pleased God. This is Enoch's gravestone. He was not. He lived by faith. And he pleased God. Forget what anybody else says about you. Forget what they say at school. Forget what those that say horrible things, even your teacher at school that tries to undermine you. What does God say? This man, this woman, he pleased me. Well, look on to the second to last book in the Bible, a short book, Jude, And we read again just to show that Scripture is one book, cover to cover, it's consistent, and it tells us the same things, but in ever more colour and understanding. The book of Jude, the letter of Jude, and we read in verse 14. This is very significant. It gives even more light on the life of Enoch. Verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, confirming Genesis 5's historicity, he prophesied of these. He's a preacher. He's a prophet. Enoch, in his life, is telling the people around him these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh now he's not speaking of Christ's first coming. Adam did that. the first generation Adam told of the fact that Christ would come. Genesis 3:15. the seventh from Adam tells of Christ's second coming. Let's read it again the seventh. From Adam prophesied of this, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. It's clearly not Christ's first coming, because he hasn't died, if it was referring to his first coming. But the second time, he comes with all those who are dead in Christ, And he returns, and what's he coming to do? Verse 15, to execute judgment. Who on? Upon all. Friends, this morning, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, is preaching a message to me and to you. And he's saying that Christ is going to come again. He will come with all those that died in Christ that were people of faith, and he comes to execute judgment upon all and to convince, this is what Enoch is doing, all that are ungodly. Look at the four uses of that term, ungodly. All that are ungodly, speaking of Enoch's time when he was preaching. All that are ungodly among them, of all that ungodly, literally godless, that's what sin is, that's what a person's life is described as if we don't know God, if we haven't put faith in Christ, ungodly, godless, second time, ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against Christ, who comes for the second time. Isn't the word of God amazing? Three references to Enoch. We don't know much But what we know of Enoch is consistent and it builds the first upon the second upon the third. So actually we know enough about Enoch to make quite a picture. The Holy Spirit has seen fit to give progressive revelation. We learn more in Hebrews than we had in Genesis. We learn more in Jude than we had in Hebrews. And what do we learn? Three things. Enoch walked with God. He was a man of faith whose life was given and devoted to his God. That's the first thing we learn. Secondly, he had a testimony, a track record. God's verdict of his life was, he pleased me. His life, his lips, his heart, they please me. And that's all that really matters, isn't it? When you live the whole of your life, 70, 80, 90 years, did I please God? Well, I know I haven't. I know in my life, I have not pleased God. Not with my heart, not with my lips, and certainly not with my life. But I'm a man of faith, and so was Enoch. And so I can say, in Christ, my life pleases God. Because my life is no longer about me. It's about Christ, his shed blood, his perfect righteousness. And so when Christ sees me on the day of judgment, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my heart. He doesn't see my lips and my life. He sees the life that's within me, Christ. So the first thing we notice, he walked with God. Secondly, he had a testimony. The third thing, briefly, he didn't die. Can you remember somebody else who didn't die? Elijah. Can you remember the three others that walked with God? Abraham, Noah, then one in the New Testament, Zacharias, walked with God. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? Walking with God, pleasing God. Is that not helpful for us today? If you're already a man or a woman of faith, shouldn't we be walking with God closely? And shouldn't our desire be that we please God? God. Well, just three more things by way of brief introduction. We've overrun the introduction. Let's look at Abel. Go back to Abel. What does Abel's life of faith teach us? Abel taught us the need for sacrifice. He came with an animal and with blood, and his heart believed In a given sacrifice, it was about his heart. The first step of worship. It's not about your hands, it's not about any physical symbols, it's about the heart. That's what God desires the heart. He doesn't want thousands of animals, He doesn't want money, pictures, anything else. He wants our heart. That's what Abel teaches us. What about Seth? The one that called upon the name of the Lord. Seth teaches us that true worship is about the heart, yes, but we need to pray to God and we need to praise him with our lips. And so he's the first that calls. Upon the name of the Lord, the heart, Abel, the lips, worship, praise, prayer. That's Seth. What about Enoch? What's Enoch's life all about? It's about his life. The whole of his life. 65 years. We don't know anything about Enoch then it says, after, after. Is that what your life is about? After. After you exercised faith. There was before 65 years and there was after 300 years where it says he walked with God. Was that his conversion? I don't know. But it seems to suggest it. Look at it here. Enoch walked with God. It says, verse 26, And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech. You see the before, the after. It uses it the same with Enoch. Go back to verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after. That's Christian conversion. Before, And after. So let's think very briefly. Three headings this morning. I want to think, and we've touched on this already, so we can do it quickly. The era that Enoch lived in, the example that Enoch gives us, and then thirdly, the eternal reward. The era, the example, and his eternal reward. Well, what can we say about Enoch's era? I'm tempted to think that Enoch was just one of a few people, but he wasn't. He was one of thousands of people and his life stood out. He was one who said, no, I'm not going that way. I'm not following the way of Cain, I'm not going to live a godless life in an ungodly way. I'm for God. I live my life for faith. I could not care less what people think of me or say about me. What matters is what does God say of my life. Do I please him? You see, the world was increasingly against God. Cain's line, it dominates through this chapter. And Cain, remember, he went out, he went out with his family and he was concerned that there would be murder after murder because of what he's done. And there's fear in the world. There's hatred in the world. And there's a desire for revenge And in that context, godly Enoch lives his life and he has a relationship with his God. He would have sacrificed with the heart, taught by Abel. He would have sacrificed with his lips, taught by Seth, and gathered together to worship. And the people would have been saying, what are they doing worshipping bringing an animal, shedding blood. And Enoch didn't mind. He went to the place of worship at the set time and he called upon the name of the Lord, just as Seth had done. But there was more than that. It wasn't just the heart, the lips. It's also about his life. You know, that's a triangle, isn't it? You have a circle, you can squash it. You have a square and it turns into a trapezium. But when your heart, your lips, and your life are in that triangle, that's strong, that's robust, you try squashing that, that's robust. that's what Enoch's life was like. He built upon Abel, upon Seth. The life of Enoch is teaching us that we must, we need to have a relationship with God in the midst of a godless, four times godless, ungodly, says the letter of Jude. Well, secondly, let's think of his... Example, He has this relationship. He speaks to God. His heart's for God. He's thinking, he's feeling for God's cause. And everything about his life, his time, his energy, is for God. Surely that's what it means. He's got a new relationship. He's not living in the way that Cain did, and the first Enoch did for self. This is a high-integrity relationship. What would my God think of what I say, of what I do, of what I love? Enoch wants it to be consistent. This is a relationship of walking together. How can two walk together Except they, agree, they be agreed. You try it in marriage. Those of us who are married, you have a difficulty. You have a disagreement. You try walking together. Impossible. We've got to come to agreement. It's the same with our God. Enoch wanted what God wanted for his life and for the world. This was a spiritual walk of agreement and it was a walk of trust. Enoch knew that God's way was the right way. He knew that judgment would come. Jude 14 and 15. And Enoch was not disturbed by the godlessness around him because he knew that God had his family, his spiritual family, the embryonic church that was being built one by one. And Enoch trusted God. God's way, God's time. He'll build his church one by one. Visitors will come in to worship with Enoch and God will save them by faith, by grace in the Saviour that's to come. And therefore Enoch trusted. Do you trust? Do you have a walk with God? Are you walking with him? Is your life about fun, fun, fun? One weekend you go here, another one there. The week is dominated by entertainment. I'm not being a killjoy. What about Enoch's life? Service. Sacrifice. Trust. Commitment. Agreement. Agreement. Prayer, worship. That's what Enoch's life is about. It was clearly obedience. You cannot walk with God unless there's an obedience to God. And God would not have said of Enoch's life, He pleased me, unless Enoch also obeyed. Do you obey God? When the voice comes into your heart, do that. Will you look at something you shouldn't be looking at? Will you lose your mind with the world and alcohol and other things and be consumed? Will you obey? When temptation comes, what will you do? What do I do? Is our testimony this? We please God. Not self. We please God. Do you know he lived in a life, and his testimony and example is this, that he was in communion with Christ and with his God. Do you know anything of what that's about? Walking, talking, feeling, loving, desiring what pleases God, that's the Christian life. The Christian life isn't ticking a box, putting up a hand. The Christian life isn't once on a Sunday, I'm done for the week. Christian life says, I worship as often, with my heart, with my whole life. Any excuse to worship God, to be with God's people, I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him along life's narrow way. That's what Enoch says. A relationship of integrity. God's direction for his life. God's path. God's pace. He doesn't run. Sometimes we run in the word of God, but most of the time... Walking is the pace. That's steady. Step by step. Always making progress forward. On the right path to God, to heaven, to eternity. Oh, that's what Enoch's life is about by faith. Sometimes we can't see the road before us. We don't know which way to turn, but God is with me. He'll guide me. He'll hold me. He'll see me through. He not walked with God. He asked this question. I wish more prime ministers would ask this question. Did I live in God's presence? Did I live my life as I ought? Did I acknowledge my sin as Abel did and go for cleansing often? Did I repent? Did I worship? Did I gather together as often as I could? Did I walk with my God? Did I please God? Forget what the electorate think. Did I love his truth? People speak of legacies. They stand outside 10 Downing Street, put up the platform, quite often at the moment. And they try to capture the legacy of their premiership. I did this, I did that. It doesn't matter. Did you please God? That's what matters. Thirdly, Enoch's eternal reward It's quite intriguing, isn't it? Enoch was not. What a lovely description. He didn't have pain and suffering. He didn't lie on his deathbed and people watched. This man was so faithful. He didn't need to experience going through the waters of Jordan. He didn't need to experience deteriorating health because his God took him, just as he did Elijah. He was transported from this life to the next with none of the pain, none of the suffering, none of the concerns in between. He was not, for God took him. Isn't that glorious? He went from living in the presence of God by faith to now living in sight. And I had not seen nor ear heard what Enoch heard and saw when he was translated. What are the lessons for us this morning? Have you died to self and lived to Christ daily repenting and yielding your life, is it given, dedicated for him? That's what we learn from Enoch. Secondly, have you exercised faith? Why was Enoch translated? How did he live? By faith. That's what it says. Hebrews eleven 5, 6. By faith. Faith. Abel's faith. Seth's faith, Enoch's faith. What about your faith? Do you have faith in God? Are you walking with him? Die to self, exercise faith, live in the light, and seek to please God with every breath, every choice, every word, every action, And walk with your God. Enoch walked with God. And he pleased God. May that be said of all of us here this morning. May that be God's verdict of my life and your life here this morning. And if there's somebody here today, you know you've not pleased God. None of us have. You come by faith in the one that lived his whole life for the pleasure of heaven, even the Lord Jesus Christ.